Welcome to Feature Creep, colon. Built-in microwave, semicolon. Uh, introducing the Aster Bang. So uh, this episode's going to be a little bit about punctuation and some ideas and thoughts we have about uh, some new kinds of punctuation that maybe, or a new kind of punctuation that might be useful. Um, yeah. And uh, so if this is your first pot time listening to our podcast, this is I'm Ned and this is Meg. And we are hi uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do we talk about in the beginning? Oh, um, so you can email us. That's the first thing I want to say. Uh, you can, if you have questions or thoughts or ideas or just really harsh criticism, um, especially you know very particular ideas about um, how we should do things and live our lives, uh, you can email Dana, our <laughs> the CEO and um, founder of this podcast. That's D-A-N-A at fcbm.io. You can also go to the website, fcbm.io, and get our contact information and stuff there. Um, I think that's it. I think if you're you're listening for the first time, um, we don't do ads or anything like that. We don't have any kind of like uh, sponsorship or stuff like that. So if you're hearing ads and listening to this, I don't know what you're doing wrong. But if you go to our website, um, again, (laughs) fcbm.io. You can get our, you can stream our shit for free. Um, I don't know what you're doing wrong, but it's definitely your fault and not ours. Yeah. yeah. Well, (laughs) uh, to be clear, I don't think it's your fault. I'm sorry that uh, capitalism has encroached on your life so prolifically that you're not sure why you're listening to ads at this point. Um, Right. God, I hate them so much. Uh, I do too. I hate the state of being that um, uh, exists when i'm being sold to mm-hmm. i don't know how to say that i hate i hate the state of being it puts me in yeah when someone's trying to sell me something like it's funny because <laughs> i you know there's that kind of argument of like well how will people know about a product unless you advertise it and sure but like it's this is the problem of of gray area right like somewhere right. between um you know a like a two inch layout advertisement in the back of a catalog where I've been like, yes, I'm looking for products. And now I'm looking through like a woodworking catalog. And at the back of it, it's like, Hey, here's my tools like that. I want to advertise as a business in my, you know, that I took out this ad in this, in this catalog or whatever. There's a far cry from that compared to Holy shit. It's like, I pay for the bandwidth for it to come onto my phone and Mm -hmm. tell me about a product in between me trying to use an app that I must now use in order to use this. Like you get my point. Like I like, it's just there's somewhere, somewhere we could dial it all the way back to a place of like, you know, this is where people go expect to be advertised to. And, um, you know, and they can go peruse the thing they're looking for. And I know right. people argue about like targeted advertising and like scraping our data is like attempting to do that, but it's not. It's what it does is it says, oh, we think you're vulnerable to this kind of influence here. Yes. Let me try and influence you. Yes. Which is very Critical different. distinction. Yeah. It's not yeah. that you're looking for someone. It's not like you're saying, hey, if you're looking for a new fucking bandsaw, come over here and like you know, look through our selection of bandsaws and hopefully we can capture your attention or whatever. But even at that point, it's still kind of problematic. Anyway, exclamation, not exclamation, 
Aster Bang. Aster, yes, Aster Bang. Yeah. So um, I thought, uh, so the idea I had around this, and I think uh, if you're listening, we're just, Meg and I are going to just launch into this and talk about, um, I think we're just going to work it out right here in the recording yeah. about some ideas we had around it. Um, so the the thing about the Aster Bang is um, we did a we did an episode quite a while ago now on the Intero Bang, and if you're not familiar right. with that, the Intero Bang is a question mark combined with an exclamation point, um, which go, go yeah ahead. yeah sometimes sometimes if you aren't able to replicate the actual text on a keyboard, you can type either an exclamation point followed by a question or a question mark followed by an exclamation point but there is a way yes. that you can do it and i've i don't for whatever maybe i can and i just haven't figured out how or i you told me and i couldn't on my I, phone on or my something phone like that. on my phone keyboard on my keyboard if i hold if i long hold the question mark it offers me a couple variations of it and one of them yes. is an interrobang um, okay and then on my computer, I in the Mac world, I went somewhere at some point, I went and fucked with the keyboard settings mm -hmm. and said that if I type an exclamation followed by a question mark, give me the option to turn that into an interrobang. Uh -huh. um, so that's how I'm able to kind of send it on the regular. But okay. um, it also, it's pretty well accepted that a... Um, a uh, exclamation point followed by a question mark or question mark followed by an exclamation point is considered an interrobang, um, which yeah. is fine. But the the point of uh, th the short the short version of what the fucking interrobang is is um, it's it's basically intero comes from the interrogative point. Uh, that's the one of the names for a question mark, and bang is one of the names for an exclamation point. So um, right. Interobang is how that name came across. And um, you use it kind of as you would expect, which is like an exclamation of question, right? Um, mm -hmm. What? Yeah, like asks a question in an excited manner, expresses excitement, disbelief, or confusion in the form of a question, um, or asks a rhetorical question. Um, yeah. Like, are you out of your mind, Interobang? Like, you know. It would be super fun to not tell anyone that you were doing this, but mm -hmm. in your own life, in your own mind, just decide at some point that you will only respond to people in the rhetorical for a period of time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> just like answer every question with a rhetorical question. Right. Now, do you think that would be a good idea? <laughs> um, how do you think that would work out? Yeah. How do you think that would work out? Go on. Uh, anyway, so um, Interrobang was invented uh, or was first kind of proposed in 1962 by one Martin K. Spector, who was a um, he was kind of a I think he was like a typesetter. Or no, he was like a journalist mm. or something. Um, I can't remember exactly, but um, a lot of good things came out of the mid century. Yeah, a lot of a lot of cool things. Um, so. Uh, you know, speaking of fucking advertising, right? Like there was this heyday of advertising where I can appreciate yeah. that, like as long as it was contained as a society, we could manage with manage it. But like now that it's just so, you know, shoved down our throats and constantly mm -hmm. in the background, it's it's much harder to deal with. Um, anyway, uh, all I'm arguing for is some fucking moderation of it, right? Like just yeah. fucking yes. push it back, like five pegs back 
away so that we can, you know, actually mm -hmm. see it and not have it like, you know, the fact that the generation before us is just like complete, constantly confused by what's an ad and what's real information tells you yes. everything you need to know. You know, it's like, um, <laughs> it's just kinda... like they just can't tell. They just can't. No, and I'm like, I'm laughing because I'm like rapid cycling between crying and laughing yes, right yeah. now because of how stupid and terrible and dumb yeah. and funny that right. is like yeah. what do you mean you can't tell like who you know like who has like um you know parents who are uh you know um fucking what are they the the baby boomers like yeah. early, maybe early gen xers though my exp my experience is like most gen xers are like yep i can fucking <clears throat> tell the difference you know from a mile away but between what's bullshit right. and what's real information um, right but but like that whole generation is just like they're constantly fucking clicking on those things and getting themselves yep. into trouble and loading fucking <laughs> you know spyware and shit on their computers and like and like this was like back in the day when it was just like you know that link says definitely not spyware and they're like great i'm gonna click that then because this must be what i want like <laughs> spyware i don't even know anything about that but this says it isn't so i'm clicking right it's just uh, anyway, um, you know, and I look at it and it's like, I mean, I watch like my, you know, my own parents and like people of that generation just like, you know, use a computer and I just watch them like pull up these websites that are already just littered with ads because they just can't get like an ad blocker to run or like they, you know, somebody installed one one time, but they can't maintain it because that shit fucking takes maintenance, right? Like, right. And so it's just like, it's not something you do the one time. Yeah. It's like they're reading like, this article or something and they're just like, oh, like they're Googling for shit and they're like, is this the information I want? And they just click on like some fucking Anything. pop up and it's like basically like porn adjacent and they're like wait this right. isn't what i want but they have to look at it for a minute not because they're looking at the porn it's like they're like i i this was is this what i wanted i'm confused right. like they're just fucking you know they cannot discern they can't, yeah, no yeah discernment and it's it's not okay like i don't think it's their fault i think that you know the fact that they weren't as good at it as we are doesn't mean the fact that like we're losing the battle like it's just getting better and oh, better yeah. right like yep you know um anyway uh yeah but they do like any kind of like flashing or blinking or like motion of any kind they're just like click yes yeah, know, right? <laughs> like an instinct like a reflex yes. it's like a reflex some some marketing person back in the days of the internet mm -hmm. were like oh no they just click on anything that moves just make it move and it'll be fine yep like yep. they'll buy stuff without even trying like you don't even have to sell them on the idea of whatever it is they're buying you just have to make it so they can't not click on it right exactly yeah yeah um okay so like a like a horse that like swash swishes its tail at flies yeah every time a fly yeah like the, it's involuntary just twitching reaction that right. you know, push that button right yep. click 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 this is why i'm like this is why i'm so convinced that like uh all of this dumb shit with smartphones is like it sounds stupid when i say it out loud because it sounds so obvious but like these aren't it's not about you having a phone it's about you having physically connected to the palm of your hand at all times of the day and night an object that is selling you shit and that makes it in some cases impossible not to buy those things right right like 
it's just it's basically like that cell phone it's, they're like if we can convince everyone to physically hold on to a cell phone at all times then it's going to be seen as a matter of convenience that we're just going to implant that shit in your head and you don't have to think about holding it anymore <laughs> right it's so mark my up. words i know mark it's my so words. fucked up they're conditioning us all with these heavy ass stupid smartphones to be like one you can buy anything you want any time of day and have it just show up at your house now which mm-hmm. is exactly what you should be doing because buying things makes you a good person and two isn't that phone heavy wouldn't you just rather have an implant right yeah and everybody's gonna be like you know what i do want to buy things with my mind yes <laughs> and then there you go and that's when i'm like okay i'm officially living in a cave lined with lead and uh-huh. i am no longer using a cell phone and you nobody gets to touch me right <laughs> welcome to my chain link fence (laughs) i live on this side of it and everybody else is over there take your and here's the weird thing right like i can just imagine in our dim future Mm -hmm. like 30 years into the future i'm going to be explaining to somebody at the age of 72 why i'm okay with some implants but not other implants right no 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 no! please don't miscategorize my position i'm not anti-implant no 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 don't put me in the weird group of people that's anti-vax anti-implant i am not that person i'm just concerned with the commercial implants (laughs) the slow release nad plus implant i'm all about i've got one of those (laughs) i I can just like hear it already and it's going to be some version of the conversations i already have where people just like are like so there's two sides and i'm like no 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 there's a lot more sides than that right (laughs) oh god oh god so yeah the uh the aster the aster bang is a great idea yeah in terms of of like I use the interrobang constantly because I'm in a straight a, a, a perpetual state of incredulity at the at the world around me. <laughs> Everything I say is followed with an interrobang. What? Right. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and so the asterbang I think is great because it's like I'm excited about this with caveats, which is how I am like this is where we're getting to with me being like I'm I'm only against some implants yes. and others I'm really excited about. Asterbang. Yes, with caveats. Yeah. So, let's get to what we mean by asterbang and I thought yes. we could kind of break that down by talking about um what an exclamation mark is and what an asterisk is. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um Exclamation point, exclamation mark, or intero bang, or not intero bang, sorry, exclamation or bang. It's just a bang. bang. Um, so the bang is kind of uh, that term comes from um, the, uh, let me just check the Wikipedia article really quick. Uh, so in the 1950s, uh, secretarial dec- uh, dictation and typesetting manuals in America referred to the mark as bang. So ah. um, it was kind of a typesetting slang for it um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so uh so anyway um what i wanted to say was that so the exclamation point is typically used to refer to uh exclamation right like it denotes yeah. um uh, an assertive like thing, yeah as opposed to a question emphasis strong feelings um like watch out you know? yeah yeah uh, yeah exclamation point um so then the asterisk is a little more nuanced uh it it's often used in different contexts um but 
generally speaking, um, uh, it's basically often used as like a caveat, like you might add like a footnote or an end note with an asterisk. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's how I've kind of used it in sort of common discussion. Um, I often do uh, corrections of like, so when I send a text message and then I notice a spelling error, I follow it with an asterisk plus the correct spelling of the word to, mm-hmm. to, to denote like, you know, hey, when you run across the misspelled word, note that I've, you know, I see it too. Um, yeah. And here, let me prove it to you. I know how to spell. I, I don't know, you know. But usually, it's like mostly it's just for clarity, right? It's like you're reading, and it's like maybe that was an entirely different word because fucking autocorrect bullshit or whatever. Yes. But, um. Very common happenstance. Yes. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, in the Middle Ages, the asterisk was used to emphasize a particular part of text, often linking those parts of the next of the text to a marginal comment. Um. One hypothesis, so this is all according to Wikipedia as of March 28th, uh, 2023. Um, one hypothesis, this is the asterisk entry. Uh, one hypothesis to the origin of the asterisk is that it stems from the 5,000-year-old Sumerian uh, character Dinger, which is kind of a um, hmm. similar-looking character. Uh, oh, but then they caveat that statement as, Though this this hypothesis seems to only be based on visual appearance, so oh, um, mm. so that, yeah. yeah, usage. Um, so common usage that you would run into it these days is like in censorship, where um, you're obfuscating certain characters in a word. Yes, like the word asshole just becomes the letter A with like a bunch of asterisks behind it, and then yeah. O L E at the end A O. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, so, uh, competitive sports and games and colloquial usage and asterisks attached to a sporting record indicates that it's somehow tainted. So again, Mm. like (laughs) as a caveat, um, you know, I think the caveating is like, yeah, with conditions. Um, it makes me think of the conditional, right? Like, eh, yes, but right. Yes. But, um, let's see use usage in anti-doping campaigns by the end of the first decade in the 21st century association of baseball and its records with doping had become so notorious that the term asterisk has been become firmly associated with doping in sports. So there's mm. something, uh, cricket, um, in, in the sport cricket, it signifies a total number of runs scored by a baseman without losing his wicket. Uh, so, you would have some number like 107 asterisks, which means that you, those were all contiguous without mm, I see. Kid, which if you follow cricket, that means something to you. Um, yeah. Uh, cricket people. Yeah. Other sports computing. So in computer science um, is used in regular expressions to denote zero or more repetitions of a pattern. Um, mm. This is uh, regular expressions is kind of a way of like, um, notating uh, patterns in uh, text. So like um, you would say like you could say I want to find you know I'm searching through this text and I want to highlight all of the instances of the word the um, then you would write a regular expression for that which just really contains the letters T-H-E but ah. if you wanted to like catch all words that start with T-H um, you might follow that by an asterisk um, 
or not an at so an asterisk would say repetition of a pattern you would probably follow it by a dot but there's other symbols that mean that but essentially the idea is that it's used in the symbology to to denote patterns so you could say yeah. i want to find like a repetition any number re repeating um values of t so like anytime t is like typed too many times in a letter in a word or something like that you could put an asterisk and then you would find all instances of the letter t in in repetition i think that's right um that sounds right yeah. Uh, so computer interfaces, um, it can also be used as like a wildcard for searching for files. This is actually less, uh, it's similar to regular expressions, but now just in terms of like, you're like, I'm going to look for all files that start with the DOC, but you know, then put a star, which means mm -hmm. like, and continue on whether it says document or just doc, you'd return all of those. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, uh, Sometimes in graphical user interfaces, the asterisk is pre or appended to the current working document name to show um, in the Windows title bar to show that the, there are unsaved changes. Um, uh, oftentimes, the asterisk or similar character is used to obfuscate the typing of a password into a field. So when you type a password rather than the actual character you typed, just an asterisk appears. That's something people have seen as well. Um, mm, yes. Let's see. So chat room etiquette. Uh, calls on one asterisk to correct a misspelled word. So I mentioned that earlier chat room etiquette of the idea of like using an asterisk to denote that that word was misspelled in the previous statement. Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's see. Um, enclosing <clears throat> phrases between two asterisks is used to denote an action user is performing. So um, in a uh, in a chat room where you want to kind of like indicate that you're saying something versus doing something um, you might use two asterisks to encapsulate like the statement pulls out paper. So you'd be like, hey, I'm about to write a letter, asterisk, pulls out paper, asterisk. So then the idea is like in this virtual chat environment, now you can imagine it's like what mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I'm what the words are coming out of my mouth versus what I want you to envision I'm doing. Um, right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. Uh, adding machines and calculators, um, oftentimes, uh, use asterisks to denote the total or the terminal sum. Um, let's see, programming languages, it's often used as multiplication, uh, the indication for multiplication. Um, let's see, so in economics, it's very, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's all over, like uh, it so is, many different yeah. disciplines and areas of concern use it for different, asterisks means different things to different people. It really does, yes. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, in human genetics, asterisk is used to denote that someone is a member of a haplogroup and not any of its subclass uh, subclades. Um, mm -hmm. So haplogroup is a, a group of uh, alleles in an organism that are inherited together from a single parent. So like um, your like all the alleles you get from one of your parents. So like your mom or your dad. Um, so anyway yeah um let's see linguistics an asterisk is placed before a word or phrase to indicate that it is not used or there are no records of it being in use this is used in several ways depending on what is being discussed it may be used to indicate re reconstructed words in proto-languages for which there are no records of the pronunciation grammar and words that's very interesting that is very interesting historical linguistics the asterisks mark words uh, sorry, the asterisk marks words or phrases that are not directly recorded in text or other media. So basically the same kind of thing. 
Um, let's see, uh, ungrammatically in most areas of linguistics, but especially <laughs> in syntax, an asterisk in front of a word or phrase indicates that the word or phrase is not used because it, because it is ungrammatical, uh, which is to, um, like as an example, they have the, st the, sent or the statement, wake her up, slash, asterisk, wake up her, which is to say wake up her is the ungrammatical version. Um, yes. Uh, let's that see. makes sense to me. Yep. yep. Uh, an asterisk before parentheses indicates the lack of the word or phrase inside, uh, that the lack of the word or phrase inside is ungrammatical, while an asterisk after the opening bracket of the parentheses indicates that the existence of the word or phrase is inside, phrase inside is ungrammatical. Okay, so what does that mean? So it kind of, oh, go ahead. Um, so the two examples. So they have go to the station um, and they put the asterisks outside of parentheses around the word to where the claim is that here go here the phrase go the station would be ungrammatical which is to mm -hmm. say that they've inserted the word to to make it grammatical aha um and where and the asterisk denotes that it wasn't an original part of the yeah that it was cons um, construction of the sentence right indicates it's been uh, added after the fact to clarify yeah uh, indicates that the lack of the, so the word that's missing there makes it ungrammatical whereas mm -hmm. in the statement go to home the parentheses are outside of the asterisk too so like two parentheses like a parenthesis pair inside of that is asterisk to and yes. so go to home indicates that the word to makes the statement ungrammatical yes okay so the addition of that is incorrect right um, okay, so let's see. Uh, since a word uh, under the heading of ambiguity, since a word marked with an asterisk could mean either unattested or impossible, it is important in some contexts to distinguish these meanings. In general, authors retain asterisks as unattested and prefix um, prefix basically what what we would think of as like common symbology for uh, footnotes, like either a double dagger, a dagger, two stars. Um, a, you know, to denote later meaning. Um, and then an alternate to that is dependent asterisks or other symbol possibly differentiate between even more cases at the end. So essentially... So like um, asterisks are just about special cases. Yeah, they really are about special cases. And I think the overriding theme that I'm getting from this is that um, they are typically used as... Um, uh, basically used as caveats in some kind like if in the t in the typography section um the most common use of an asterisk is to call out a footnote which again is just kind of like an exaggerated form of caveat right like it's mm -hmm. like saying hey like there's more information about this to put this in context um one could argue maybe that an asterisk is a way of like marking that there's contextual information that needs to be observed yeah for yeah. this meaning. Consider the context. Consider the context. So um, maybe what we're talking... So what the fuck do we think an aster bang looks like? I think yeah. it's just an asterisk with a period under it. <gasps> oh! I think that since that doesn't exist in Unicode, as far as I know, you can use um, an exclamation point followed by an asterisk or an asterisk followed by an exclamation point the same way we do with the interrobang. Yes. Um, but if you're handwriting it, you can just put a period right under that fucking asterisk. 
I like that. It's basically it's basically an X'd out. Um, well, not an X'd out because there's an extra bar across. So never mind. Anyway, right. an asterisk with a period under it. That's what I'm. Th- that's what I think. What if it's an exclamation point with the asterisk as the dot at the bottom? Okay. Um, or is that too confusing because the asterisk always shows up on the top in the superposition? I, th- I think in that case, um, the so I like that idea conceptually. I think that the I think of it as a problem of scale, which is to say, in really fine text, that would get lost. Oh yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell that it's a tiny little s- right. star shape. It would look just like a dot. And that's why I, I argue for the the full asterisk with a dot underneath it. I think that that's pretty clear yeah. across the board um, at so many scales. If we run into the same issue of formatting that we ran into, where you have figured out ways to format the intero bang, but mm. my, in my case, I'm just still doing the exclamation point followed by a question mark. If we have to write out long form aster bang, would it be the asterisk followed by the exclamation point? I think for the sake of, um, I, I think to un, to avoid any ambiguity, we should allow both for before or after because the okay. interrobang often gets represented either way, right? Right, think, and the but the argument in favor of dictating that mm-hmm. the exclamation point comes first and the ex, and the asterisk after is that then there won't be any confusion about whether the asterisk. Uh, modifies the thing that comes in front of it or the thing that comes after it i see what you're saying um i mean it is it's it's problematic in the sense that um if it comes after it could also just look like a sentence that is an exclamation sentence followed by a traditional form of asterisks right so then in this case i think your asterisk with a period underneath uh, it's definitely the least ambiguous. Yeah, I mean, that's the ideal usage of it. Um, right. If we're going to try to find a way to represent it without um, without having, you know, the ability to say, like, enforce new Unicode. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder if it's um, already in existence somehow. Um, I Googled the word Astrobang. Yeah. And I got Interobang from mm-hmm. Wikipedia, which we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. The second result that returned was Punctuation Masterclass on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third one is from the same people, and it talks specifically about Interobang punctuation. And then there's something from thesaurus.com about types of punctuation marks and symbols. And then there's something about Jeffrey Tubin jerking off in a work meeting. God damn it. And I don't know why that... I'm not going to dig deeper to figure out why that returned as a result on my query uh-huh. for Ast- Astor Bang. <laughs> well, um, one, thing, uh, one thing to note is that um, there is a... In Unicode characters... Um, the traditional asterisk is actually a five-pointed star. Um, there is a... Okay. There's an eight-spoked asterisk. There's mm. a six-spoked asterisk. Um, you know, there's a lot of options. Uh, 
But I think that the five or six are the easiest to discern when you look at them with your eyeballs. Mm-hmm. The eight gets a little hairy. Uh, yes. Yeah. The five or six. Um, so I think it's just a star over a period. I think that that's, yep. that's kind of what we're looking for um, to represent that. Uh, maybe it's just an asterisk sandwiched by two um exclamation points That's i was also li- thinking of a, an exclamation point sandwiched by two asterisks yeah i would say either one of those okay. because then it's really clear that there's not one asterisk denoting the more traditional usage of it um, right it's it's sandwiched so as long as you sandwich it it's a little bit cumbersome that there's three characters but i i say we go with that for now um okay. if you're listening to this and you're like all fired up about it Write us an email about it and tell us what the fuck you think. Um, yes. And what's your again, preference? yeah, what's your preference? And you can email Dana, our uh, CEO. So D-A-N-A at FCBM.io. Um, and she will either forward your, you know, forward your emails to us or um, call us on the phone and be like, what the fuck are you talking about on the podcast right now? Um, yeah, right. All, what's all going on? I keep getting yeah. email. Yes. Um, <laughs> it also looks like uh there's a way to combine um they have something called the combining asterisks above which suggests to me that there's a way to create this character in unicode already so that might be something i want to look into i'm not going to do it right now while we're um you know while we're having a chat because that will be boring for people to be like what is ned doing right now i hear keyboard clicks but i don't know what the fuck's going on um anyway so uh <laughs> it's just a work session today work we're holding session. each other accountable by co-working uh-huh. over the internet by <laughs> co-working <laughs> yes over the internet no doubt uh no less um let's see so uh yeah that's uh that's my thought is that then so how would you use this in a sentence i think that earlier we were talking we were having kind of um some good conversations about um where this would actually be appropriate even though we weren't saying it at the time um like oh like well we were saying like with the um uh what were we talking about with the advertising and you were like um oh the sorry not the advertising the transhumanism right the transhumanism yes yeah like you know excuse me do i want to have um some kinds of medical modifications that uh-huh. Or biological modifications that improve my life, yes, with a fucking excited aster bang at the end of it, which is to say, heavily context, heavily need context for this. Yes. Do I want to create a subscription service that, like, do I want to get more into the subscription idea of life where I must subscribe and constantly produce enough income to support my own existence? No, I don't want that. <laughs> Like, definitely not. Um, do I, I want to have ads served directly to my brain? Fuck no, I don't. I want to have like an Astrobang tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> know, like, right? <laughs> whatever it is, I have some complicated feelings about it. So, mm-hmm. Astrobang. Uh, it would be nice to sort of have that approach at all times. yeah like yes with conditions or no with conditions like uh, there's a lot of times when i have to fill out forms Mm -hmm. this gets really problematic because forms want you to like 
compartmentalize things and draw lines between things like literally forms have lots of lines on them and mm-hmm. they segregate information and they're like we want a we want <clears throat> a specific solitary singular answer about this to this question and it's always phrased as like a yes or no <laughs> <laughs> right. and i'm always like yes uh, caveat yes uh, yes with astro astrobang yes uh-huh. Um, no, Astrobang. Like, I can't. And then, and then, like, when I'm filling out forms, I'm always worried that, like, because how I feel is so subjective and mm-hmm. has to do with a lot of circumstance, like this strong beliefs weekly held thing. Right. I'm like, am I lying if I say yes to this right now? But in general, I mean no. Like, I'm always concerned that I'm being uh, on some basic level dishonest when I'm filling out a form because I'm like, this really only pertains to like me at a particular moment in time when I was filling out this form. Right, right. It's, that's, yeah. Um, so I, I need like Asterbangs and Enterobangs for like every, every, anytime I'm asked to assert or state my position on a thing i need an astrobang <laughs> right right i mean this is I, this is one of the things that i find very frustrating about uh at least the modern culture that i i spend a lot of time in which is that mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of people really don't like the idea of of being sort of um they they conflate like they conflate me having like a weekly held or like a strong belief weekly held with being wishy-washy yeah. Or like being like, no, it's just that's the latest information. And I'm perfectly ready to change my mind on that as soon as there's some new influence. Totally. And I think it's because a lot of times we live in a world where it's like there's constant barrage of trying to influence you into being and thinking a certain way that works for whatever entity is creating that propaganda. Um, right. And that fucking pollutes our own interpersonal dialogues. Yeah, well, this is why our parents' generation is such a fucking mess. Because like we were saying <laughs> earlier, they can't tell whether it's a thought they're having themselves or whether someone's trying to sell them something. Right. Like, I, I fully expect at some point for my parents to just start like regurgitating like advertisements in speech and for me to be like, that's not a thought you're having. That's an ad you saw. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're back to me laughing and crying at the same time again because it's so right. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I, that's kind of like um one of those sort of like archetypes that is in a movie, but that I find is like so truthful that it kind of reveals something about the human condition. Mm-hmm. It's like earlier today, Damon and I were making jokes about um how people will charge straight ahead with things even though they realize that it's Mm self-defeating like i was telling a story about this person that we know who um is who makes their money doing something of questionable legality right Mm -hmm. of questionable legal standing and the reason that they do this is because one of their parents is chronically ill and elderly and in order to to care for this person as a full-time caretaker the person in question engages in illicit activity to generate the finances to provide the care for their ailing parent. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But this person is still a conservative and votes conservatively. And I'm like, you know, if you just voted differently, 
it would eliminate the need for someone who is you to care for your parent and a professional would be paid to care for them. And also, you wouldn't have to do an illegal job to make that money if you would just vote for people who would stop uh, who would stop legislating against your job mm-hmm. and also would just take care of people in our society mm-hmm. um so and i just we were joking about how just self-defeating that is and right. these beliefs yet it, though you can be like so this is this right yeah and that's that right yeah and so when you do this these situations are created as a result and if you don't want to do either of these things you're doing you could just stop, like oh go come over here and vote for different people and how it reminds us of like the movie Idiocracy and how they keep like <laughs> salting the earth with Brondo because they're like, it's what plants crave. Right. And yes. I'm like, this is not a fact. This is an advertisement. Like uh-huh. <laughs> it just makes me think of our parents. Like you show up and you're like, why are you putting Gatorade on the lawn? It's what plants crave. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> how do you know this? How do you, how did you, how do you know this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Asterbang. Asterbang, indeed. <laughs> this is a fact, Asterbang. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I was explaining to Ned before we started recording this about um, colonial landscape paintings yes. and how they remind me of Chesterton's fence. Yes. How is a colonial landscape landscape painting like Chesterton's fence? Asterbang yes. in Tarot Bang. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so I was reading this really interesting book um, about colonial discourse, which yep. is like colonial discourse is like anytime anybody does anything about colonialism, it's becomes part of the discourse, right? It mm-hmm. just adds to all of the right. things about right. the subject of colonialism. So <clears throat> like one of the, one of the things that happens in colonialism is people who are colonizers create a body of work about what they're doing as colonizers that's mm-hmm. self-reinforcing and creates the structure for the argument that validates all of the things that the colonizers are trying to do to the colonized. And um, it becomes this like set of circular arguments and circular logic that is um depending on how you look at it, self-reinforcing or self-defeating or both. And when people who are colonizers move in on a place that they want to colonize, um, at least back in the day, like when Britain was colonizing India, they would like make these landscape paintings because people didn't have photography. And so the colonizing people would go to these places and they would be like, how do we want to convey what we see here to people back home so that they want to become colonizers too. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they would like make these landscape paintings that they would then like bring back to Britain and be like, look at this beautiful landscape. Like all of this could be yours kind of like modern real estate magazines. Like look at this parcel of land that we've beautifully represented in this life realistic painting. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to buy this land? Think of all, imagine all of the things you could do in this landscape. Like look at this beautiful picture, right? <laughs> right. And like, yes. and like these, and it's like a landscape Asterbang mm-hmm. in so far as, it is a, a an artistic rendering of perhaps a geographic location in which 
only certain things are represented for the convenience of the representer and the colonizers and the colonizing forces mm-hmm. back home. So like it, for example, is um, essential to your narrative to be like, hey, everybody, look at this great untouched wilderness that's just waiting for you to show up and buy it and start making great stuff on it and to tame it and to bring it into like the future and to make it more like us, right? And like, so they will paint this like beautiful landscape Mm-hmm. to try and capture like the trees and the, the waterways whatever right but what they'll omit is like the fucking 50,000 people who have been living on <laughs> yes, that spot for tens of thousands of years you know or yeah. whatever and like oh yeah untamed wilderness just look just look the painting tells you everything you need to know and it's like uh, so I became kind of obsessed with like what all is being left out of these paintings that doesn't right, fit right. this colonial narrative of like whatever it is there whatever the flavor the local flavor is of the colonial narrative and i just thought about how like it's a certain mindset um well back up for a second we in our in a a previous episode of this podcast we talked about chesterton's fence or the Mm -hmm. principle of chesterton's fence which is like when you come upon something that exists in the world even if you're not exactly sure and it's not immediately apparent or obvious why that thing exists Mm -hmm. it's better not to get rid of it than it is to just right. say it, it, this is probably here for a reason even if i don't know what that reason is so i'm not going to just start dismantling shit left and right for no good reason yeah it's like until you can tell me why that fence is there we shouldn't just take it down right and so i was thinking the fact about that it's how- in your way right now and you think it doesn't affect you or like it, it affects you negatively. Therefore it should go is not a valid answer to remove the fence. Like you need to right. tell me why was it put there in the first place so we can evaluate whether that statement is still true. And if it's not, then we can take it down. Yes. Right. Yes. Very good. So I was like thinking about how, how is like the Indian subcontinent basically mm-hmm. not just Chesterton's fence to the British? Right. Like they show up and they're like, hey, there's all this amazing shit, but oh, all this annoying stuff in the way. We sh- <laughs> it clearly doesn't serve any purpose that we can discern as British people. Let's just get rid of all of it. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and I just was thinking like the mindset that one has to espouse when approaching situations like something that qualifies a Chesterton's fence or like Mm-hmm. an ancient culture of other people mm-hmm. for example right like when approaching these things the type of arrogance and like it's lack of discernment and lack of appreciation for what is there to just be able to be like eh, it's nothing let's get rid of it and start <laughs> yeah. over it's so dumb Sorry. what's this here for i don't know let's get rid of it oh, God. you know and so i was just uh i was reading this book for mm-hmm. my current um, class at school and it's all about it's all about different forms of colonialism and how colonialism is manifested and how we talk about it in the mm-hmm. body of work that springs up around it to reinforce or contradict it and all these things and yeah I was just like oh my god Chesterton spends all over again except with like a whole subcontinent of people right. who have been there for right. a really long time and I was also mentioning to you earlier about how frustrating it is that like 
these other cultures who had been around for a long time had mm-hmm. had a long time to work on problems and solve them and have particular ways of doing things. And like the, the British especially just show up and are like, well, all this is bullshit. Uh, right. What we want you to do is what we do, but you're not going to do it the way we do it, which means it's going to be a worse version of the way that we <laughs> yes. do it. And we're going to blame you for that. And then what we're going to do is eradicate the good way of doing things and replace it with a totally half-assed worse version of what we do normally. Oh, God. And how, like, this is why people in Britain still shovel coal into the furnace in their house. right. (laughs) Like, how the British Empire is the British Empire of British Empires. Mm Mm-hmm. Just sucks so bad. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, God. Making a lot of these important connections, you know. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. I mean, they are important. I'm not making yes. fun of that. I'm just, no, no. I'm just, just kind of making fun of myself that like this is what I do with my time. Like, how is the right continent right. of India the same as Chesterton's fence in Tarobang in Taro Asterbang? Asterbang, indeed. Um, it's so it's so kind of absurd how I, the Chesterton's fence thing. Like, we come back to that a lot because it really smacks of like all the problem. Like, so many of the problems we have today being you know, a big part of that, right? It's like, wait, yeah. why was this here in the first place? You didn't bother to even find that out. You just bowled it over and came on through. And now we're suffering the same problem that has been stated for years. People are like, no, no, if that gets destroyed, then the environment's fucked. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Well, anyway. Yeah. We just like barrel through things. Yeah. I- it's really interesting to me that that like makes me with regard to the climate it makes me think of these people who are like <laughs> like really oblivious to like we can't curtail any of this stuff for the environment because it cuts down on business and we have to be able to do business and i'm like right but to be able to do business you have to have a planet where there's air to breathe right. so yeah. like that's kind of putting the cart before the horse a little bit with the business God. thing yeah you know <laughs> like, mm-hmm. God, you guys, come on. Right. Oh, man. Anyway, what the hell is wrong with you, Aster Bang in Tarot Bang? Question mark. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, um, what else have we got? I, I wish one of these days we need to get our um, colors of the day up and running again. We do. Yes. Um, oh, well, so uh, we haven't talked about it in person, although I sent you the message. So yesterday, um, mm-hmm. and much to my chagrin and deep shame, it's three years later. We talked. We used to talk about it a lot, but <laughs> we made a book, and now it has an ISBN number assigned, and I'm just waiting on the final proof. And then once the final proof is in place and we approve it, then we can set it up for distribution, which means that... If for some reason you're one of our listeners and you run a bookstore, you could buy our book through um, Ingram Spark. It's self-published, so I don't know if you're in the position to be selling self-published books in your bookstore. But we um, we made sure that we're offering like the full trade, um, the fairest trade discount that we can, um, right. which should be on par with whatever else you're used to buying from Ingram Spark, for instance. Um, anyway, they we're gonna sell this book. We're still kind of trying to figure out what the right price is so that we're not gouging people, but also we're not on the hook. One of the things, Meg, I think that we haven't really talked about too much um, with the book process is that um, at least with the the way that we currently have it set up, um, 
if so we i i thought well we should allow for returns because i think that our book is um may not be for everybody or it might mm-hmm. see it might appeal it it means different things to different people right yeah so um so in that vein people might buy it like so booksellers might buy it and then get like a shipment of 10 of them or something and then go to stock them on their shelves and be like oh no i can't sell this and I then want to return this? it so um I'm not exactly the de- sure on the details of the returning, but in some markets, um, the return policy, basically the return is destroy rather than return um, because we'd have to pay shipping to have it shipped back. Uh-huh, and so yes. they can basically destroy it. And I think what that involves is they just like basically tell us they destroyed it and then they get their money back or something. I yeah. think that that means that we don't owe, um, I think that means we don't owe the printer any money. Okay. But I do want to make sure we research this because there is um, there is a kind of return policy situation where when the books come back, we're on the hook for the printing cost. Mm-hmm. And so um, I want to make sure that we're not like I basically right now the way we price the book, I think it's about nineteen ninety nine in all markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way it's priced right now allows it means that. I think we're more protected against like having a situation where a bunch of books get ordered by different distributors. And then if some of them get returned, like suddenly we're footing a bill for a thing that like we have no goods and all we've done is pay a printer for a bunch of paper that got destroyed. So it's just kind of, I, you know, that, that I want to make sure we're clear on, but um, if that happened, we would title that podcast episode. We published a book. Astrobang. <laughs> Astrobang, indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and weirdly, uh, one of our listeners who I won't refer to by name, although I don't think she'll care, but we, I haven't talked to her about it yet. Um, she recently stayed with me and she saw the book and was very excited about it. And she may, um, also hopefully have some insight into how we can, um, get it get it out there for people who actually so want funny. it yeah no it is very funny um it's just been a it's i'm really excited about it because we're actually you know chris um who's been on our podcast before uh was you know finally able to like get to it and so we really just fucking sat down and like got it all sorted out so i'm really hoping that this is like this is it like it's gonna be out the fucking door people can buy it for christmas or whatever um yeah yeah so. It's so funny and awesome. Yeah, it is. It is a very good book. Um, the drawings are delightful. The uh, yeah, it just seems to be. Um, if it's your kind of humor, it's definitely gonna hopefully make you laugh. Um, yeah, and so I'm very excited for people to actually finally be able to access it. It definitely makes me laugh every time I look at it. Yeah. That makes me laugh. I have so like when Chris and I were working on it, he like held up a book and I was like, he has one of the ones. Remember when I printed it out and like Mm -hmm. cut it and and sewed it together? Yeah. Like basically self bound it. Um, Yeah. I think he has one of those um, because I do you have one of those? I do not have one of the hand stitched ones. I have one of the initial proof copies from the printer. Right, from the printer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of want to track those down because I'm not sure how Chris got it, which is awesome. I mean, it's not that I yeah. need it back from him, but I do. Um, that was uh, a really funny kind of. It was so great. Can we write, illustrate, and 
publish a book in a weekend? And the answer is yes. Yes, the answer is yes. And then we can wait we did. three years to put a fucking ISBN number on it. I right. will I will say, like, um, you know, I don't know if you've seen the chat with Lauren. Um like she's she's in our group chat again. Yes. Um and I I've been kind of like giving she asked if she could do a podcast with us again and I've been joking about all the forms and work like all the right. paperwork <laughs> she needs to fill out to like reinstate <laughs> as a as a podcast host. And uh-huh. but I but I will say like doing the fucking like getting the ISBN number part of it yes. has been like the most nightmarish part of the whole yes. process. It's yes. like you have to buy it from a third party company um, there's really no way to it's it's a fucking racket like they hold mm-hmm. them hostage you can't yep. um, you know it costs a lot of money per yeah. ISBN number you can get them if you buy enough of them it costs a lot of money but they become cheaper right but, which is what we did but yeah and there's two different systems so like Ingram Spark has its own thing about managing the ISBN number but then um, the fucking I forget who the US uh, ISBN number cartel is but they they're like <laughs> buy you know once you buy an isbn number their isbn number they're like oh well if you want to put a barcode on your book like you need to pay us another extra five bucks for us to give you the barcode it reminds which me is, very much of the process of buying a house yes it's just like there's just a fucking fee for everything and they yep. just fucking like get you at every corner and at every step of the way that singular fee that nobody remembered to mention to you in any of the time we've been talking about this the whole yeah. time if you don't cough that up in a limited amount of time the whole thing's off yes yes it's so fucked up this is like a single point of failure and every one of these surprise things is going to become a single point of failure exactly. in this process yep just all the fucking time like every every fucking thing just god ugh. yeah yep anyway we're almost there and you've but, done amazing work yeah almost there this is gonna be great we've made it um yeah we're almost there we made it in tarot bang Asterbang. <laughs> yes Asterbang. indeed <laughs> mission accomplished Asterbang. yeah so we could do like a whole thing about like points in history where an Astro Bang would have been useful. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, the unsinkable Titanic Astro Bang. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh man, we have fun. We do. You could if if you join us for more podcasts, you could be laughing sixty five percent more of the time. That's right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ned and I were talking the other day about how um, laughter is good medicine, but making your doctor laugh is the best medicine yes. because then they give you the good medicine yes. that isn't laughter. It's real medicine. And then you can take that medicine. Right. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, um, we covered a lot of ground today. We did cover a lot of ground today. I feel yeah. pretty fantastic about that situation. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, should we call it? I think we should call it. I think we're we're right on about an hour, so I don't really. That's the end of the episode. Astro Bank. Yes. <laughs> Do we have? Oh, uh, we have that let that final segment. Um, the not the final segment. Um, 
long, long story sto- short long story short yes uh let me pull up and see if there's another long story short i feel like okay i have to flesh out more of that list yeah there's definitely um i speak speaking of like a potential book right yes like, i mean talk about frustrating um <laughs> is that the title of the book yeah talk about frustrating yeah <laughs> It'd be something like it'd have to be like unwieldy. Like, did I mention? And by the way, I'm gonna try and make a long story short, but talk about frustrating. Dot dot dot, <laughs> and then just like go into it. Um, yes. Yeah. Excellent. So uh, anyway, so let's see. Um, did I tell you about the time I was? I uh, do you have the list in front of you? Uh, I can get it. Hang on. There's not many, but we definitely need to flesh it out. But I have an yeah. idea. Is I'll pick. I'll pick a beginning, and you pick an end. Okay. Um, let's see. Long story short. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So <laughs> the strangest thing happened to me the other day. I was walking my usual afternoon route and this car stopped in the middle of the street and a person jumped out and started gesticulating at me. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, long story short. That boat sank like a lead balloon. There were no survivors. <laughs> <laughs> i love the more macabre it is the yes. more entertaining i feel like it is yeah absolutely oh my god what? i was speaking of books we have to write yes um i was listening to something the other day on the radio and somebody was telling a story mm-hmm. and part of the story was that they had just been in a hot air balloon accident no yeah yeah, so Ned and I want to write a book about hot ballooning, hot air ballooning hot, hot accidents. Air balloon. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Throughout history, balloon disasters, <laughs> and I <laughs> balloonacy, balloonacy, and I yeah. and that's the title, balloonacy. And um, I I love this subject so much that every time I start to think about researching it, I just get so overwhelmed and excited that I have to kind of like it's, calm down. Just so I haven't even really bit. gotten started on it yet, but I think there's a lot out there because mm-hmm. you really want to do it justice, right? Like yeah. you don't want to do like eight out of 10 ballooning accidents. You want to get them all. And I wonder, would you consider the Hindenburg to be in the category of accidents that we would include in this hypothetical I mean, book? one of the most famous ones, right? I mean, right. we're talking about, um, you know, I mean, obviously, like, it's not it's not technically a hot air balloon. It's a, um, what's dirigible. it called? It's a dirigible. But, but I think that that's, it doesn't, it doesn't escape the exact point of what we're talking about, right? Which right. is like all of these, um, you know, aeronautical <laughs> adventures that involve like filling an air, like a lighter than air vehicle, right? Yeah. Um, and and what could possibly go wrong? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Um, you know, like the biggest issue with all of them is just that that you give up a lot of your you're at the whim of of the elements. Mm-hmm. So much more heavily than you are in the like than when you have a powered aircraft, right. um, and and you know I don't know as someone who likes to sail like I'm not immediately like that doesn't necessarily discount the concept but it's just historically we look at hot air balloons and and these lighter than air aircrafts and like all of the disasters just really point heavily at like this just being like 
either something that people the people who are interested in doing it have like some common thread of idiocy or Mm -hmm. like you know it just it's yes like the number of i I forget when we were looking at it but like one of the things is like like a high number of hot air balloons running into power lines and people dying like just like like so many yeah just so many so anyway yeah um yeah yeah it's it's yeah it it seems kind of nuts to me it's like like if you look inside the bubble that is ballooning, mm-hmm. you can see how like ballooning evolved bubble. over time into how <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, ballooned over time into the sport that it is now. Yes. Yeah. But like if you take yourself out of the inward facing circle of ballooning and balloon uh-huh. enthusiasts, yeah. you recognize that in a modern context, the concept of hot air ballooning is so terminally stupid. <laughs> Right. Like, why does anybody do this? Right. <laughs> it is so dangerous and so rudimentary and like Yeah. No, it is so dangerous. So out of control. Yeah. God. Oh my God. So yeah, I just um it only makes sense if you're like beyond the event horizon of the inward facing circle that tells you that ballooning is cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah so that's another book we need to write balloonacy balloonacy yeah. Asterbang. that one's definitely more um more involved uh, although i don't know i mean when we had that like I, it occurs to me that a lot of the problem is that we're not when we're together we can set aside a day and get a lot accomplished but when right. we have to like piecemeal it like one hour at a time um it we're less efficient right um yes. which is which is fine but also. We're just going to have to start doing writers retreats. Yes, writers retreats indeed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then we can okay. sell our yeah. our synthetically bio, bi- synthetic biology engineering projects and yes. generate more money to finance the croissants that we're going to eat at our writers <laughs> weekends. Yes, yes. <laughs> now I'm suddenly remembering something involved with ballooning and somehow I was like telling some story about like like people throwing croissants from an air balloon. <laughs> but I can't remember the context. I feel like it had some <laughs> some meaning beyond uh-huh. like just that it, in and itself being pretty <clears throat> funny, but um Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really familiar, but I don't remember either. Right? Right? <clears throat> like why was it why were croissants involved? I don't know. Was it I think there was that like there was like a story of like a croissant stuck in a tree in LA or something or like somewhere oh and God. like it made the news because somebody called the cops because they thought it was an animal or <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Help. We need to rescue this little tiny orange kitten from a tree. Yes. Or also yes. maybe it is a pastry. <laughs> yes, exactly. How did it get up there? Probably a bird. Probably a bird. <laughs> Probably indeed. a bird got it in a park and was like, I'm just setting this here for later. And someone like, it's a kitten. Uh-huh. Asterbang. Asterbang. <laughs> Help uh, me rescue this kitten, Asterbang. Good times. <laughs> Which is actually a food item. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That has been gnawed on by a crow. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, oh, or perhaps dropped from the basket of an errant yes an air hot air balloon, balloon right before it crashes into a power line and bursts into flames yes. <laughs> killing everybody aboard 22 feet off the ground uh-huh 
Oh yes, my god, that, I love it. For sure. I love it. Okay. Okay. All right, for real this time? Are we calling yeah, it? Yeah, for real this, this time. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks guys. Okay. <laughs>